nasty. Yeah, big nasty. Hall of Fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. This is Rhett from the Cannon Fire Podcast, and I am so excited to tell you guys about our newest sponsor, the East Bay Buccaneers. The Bucks are a Florida nonprofit organization sponsoring youth cheerleading for ages 5 to 15 and full contact football teams for ages 5 to 14. Right now, registration is open and teams are looking for athletes and cheer coaches. Register now, but hurry, teams are filling up fast. Climb aboard and join the crew. Fire the cannons and go Bucks. But this is a great group. I think we have the core here to win quickly. I'm not about building. I'm about reloading. And uh, with that, I can't say how, again, how excited I am to be a Tampa Bay Buck. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new episode of the Cannon of Fire podcast. Posted by BucksReport.com. Thank you so much for tuning in. We have got a great show lined up for you today on episode 58. The Buccaneers just wrapped up their mandatory minicamp June 4th through 6th, I believe, are the dates. So we'll catch you up on that and everything you need to know from this past week of Buccaneers football. But welcome back to the show. If you're new around here, I am your host, Rhett. Joined alongside me, as always, my good buddy and co-host. And great to have him back this week, Mr. Evan. How you doing, man? Doing pretty good. Glad to, glad to be back after my one week hiatus. I'm glad you're back, man. I'm glad you're feeling better. So, so what was going on? You are a, um, you are a, uh, you're a goon up there in Philly, right? You're a hockey player. So, so what happened? Were you just? It was just a tough day. I mean, yeah. So, yeah, I play, uh, I play deck hockey, which is basically um, a, a a form of ice hockey. Just you're not skating. It's you're just, you're on sneakers. And um, you're not on ice either, so don't 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 get that idea. Um, you're on McAdam, and I had a game, and my my back was kind of iffy like all day. Um, and then I played, and after I had played, I had like this huge knot in my back, and just could not get it out, and it was just killing me. So that's because like, you and I both know no- you're the enforcer out there checking people up into the ice and stuff, right? Yeah, just uh, somebody's got to do it, right? <laughs> uh, that's that's why I was missing. I tried my best, but I just I couldn't. And with me sitting up, standing up, and stuff like that, like it was just hurting. So I decided to take one week off. Thankfully, we had uh, our buddy uh, Tony Rossi from Bucks Report be able to come on. Uh, thank you for to him uh, for me for doing that, and uh, now I'm happy to just be back. Absolutely glad to have you back, man. And yeah, Tony Tony had some controversial opinions here. He he's, you know, as we've said before, as a Bucks fan, you gotta be a realist, but some of the things he said, I threw it up, some of the clips on our social media, people were pissed, saying he's so negative and this and that. But uh Tony, thanks for coming on, and Evan, it is great to have you back. Now, before we get started here, we do have an announcement regarding the show, in case you haven't heard. The Cannon Fire podcast is now available on WRPR Rat Pack Radio. So what that is, Rat Pack Radio is Tampa Bay's number one source for all things sports, talk, and music online. 
a 24-hour streaming internet radio station, and the Cannon Fire podcast is available there now. I'll tell you the schedule before we get out of here. I don't have it in front of me right now, but you will be able to hear the show three times a week, and it'll always be the newest episode. So really excited about things going on over there, and make sure you tune in WRPR Rat Pack Radio. So, been a busy week. Buccaneers had their mandatory mini camp. We saw a lot of familiar faces show up to practice. We saw a lot of new faces show up to practice. We saw Andamika Sue in Bucks colors for the first time ever. He went out there, got his hands dirty in practice, and uh, a lot of good things to be said about this Buccaneers practice unit. Uh, we've heard a lot of great things. We've heard about how expectations have been blown out of the water. Um, but we also heard some information on Buccaneers defensive end Jason Pierre-Paul. And I wanted to start this off on the show because the rest of the show, I figure we just talk about the practice and things people need to know. But JPP has been a hot topic ever since his injury. We talked about it on the show a few weeks ago. He did have a single car accident. At first, we didn't think it was very serious. And then a couple of days later, you find out he had a fractured, uh, I believe, C5, C6 vertebrae, which is a pretty big deal. If he would have gotten the surgery, he would have been out a year pretty much. He chose not to get the surgery, which means he'll have a shorter recovery cycle. That chance of re-injury is still lingering, but here's the update we got. Uh, as much as I hate to say it, we're probably not going to see JPP in a Bucks uniform this year. The timetable for his return was around five to six months, according to Coach Bruce Arians. Uh, but even then, best case scenario, that brings him back in December. And... He'd have to get some reps under him to get back in football shape. So I think even if we do see him in a uniform this year, he's not going to be the JPP who put up 12 sacks last year, obviously. Uh, but I don't think he's going to do much to help this defensive line at all if we see him come back. To hold him out for a year to have him play next year, two years from now, is all fine and dandy if they find a way to keep him around. But I just I don't want to expect him to make an impact here. Evan, your thoughts on this JPP thing? Yeah, so, I mean, this was obviously an unfortunate injury, but um, the, a lot of the the news sites have basically picked up on DPP possibly ready by October, and um, he might be ready by October, but like you said, uh, that doesn't mean he's in game shape, really. Uh, so, like, he's going to need some reps. He's going to need to practice a little bit before he even goes out there in a game. So I think the best case, that what the Bucs are looking at is the best case scenario for them. And I think this is what Bruce Arians is thinking, too. Look, if we're in a playoff race, this is basically, I'm, I'm like the, the mind of Bruce Arians right now. So I'm saying this like in his mind. Let's say we're in a playoff race and we are, um, you know, whatever. We're, we're right on the edge of the wild card, right, trying to hang on, maybe. You know, JPP coming back to the, that team would be pretty nice. Would be a pretty nice little addition there in late November or so, early December, if they are making a playoff push and he can be somewhat productive. Uh, that'd be pretty good. I mean, it, it would almost be like acquiring somebody at the trade deadline, basically, um, just to help out in the playoff push a little bit. Sort of like you do in hockey a lot, but um, it, it would be a pretty solid little addition. Obviously, like you said, he's not going to be the, the same player that was able to rack up 12 and a half sacks last year. But if he's just another body that you can throw out there and he's somewhat productive, hey, that's a bonus. And I I do agree that I think it's unlikely he plays this year. 
I think that if he plays at all, you should be consider yourself very lucky because uh, I, I don't think that that he's going to. Never say never. JPP uh, is like a, one of those warrior type of guys. Like, you know, like he's going to try his best to come back. And maybe you know that's not even the best thing. Maybe the best thing is to just sit out for a year and, and see where it plays out. But there is no guarantees here next year because um, I forget the money he's owed. I believe it's around twelve and a half million, maybe thirteen million. And I believe the Bucks can get out of it if they choose. So what that would basically depend on is how they feel his recovery is going if he doesn't play at all this year. So he could stick around, but also I wouldn't be surprised uh, if if he's not here next year. Uh, um, but basic point, if he comes back at all this year, don't expect it until week 11, probably at the earliest. Right. And at that point, even if he does come back, uh, something you'd brought up, a breath of fresh air almost if the Buccaneers are a team who are making that playoff push that time of the year. It'd be nice to have him back. But if they're not, and he's able to go week 11, week 12, you've got four more games on the schedule, and let's say, you know, the Buccaneers have only won four games, five games at this point, let them sit. Let them rest up. Don't send him in there for any unnecessary reps. And even if he does come back for, let's say, a playoff push, you got to be as conservative as possible. I just, yeah. But if if you're sitting there, if you're sitting there and it's week and it's week eleven and you're five and four, you might have to put him in. Oh yeah, I'm with you on that. But just got to kind of see how that goes. So uh, so there is your JPP update. Now transitioning from one injured player to another, this injured player has a little bit more to do with everything happening at one buck this week. Uh, but according to Greg Allman of the Athletic. Buccaneer safety Justin Evans has yet to practice at all this spring. Um, Evans finished the 2018 season on injury reserve with a nagging toe injury that sidelined him for the last few weeks of the season. During Bucks minicamp, the third-year pro was seen walking with a boot on his left foot. That's never good. B.A. addressed this and said that the team is hopeful he'll be back by training camp in late July. All I have to say is, like, let's hope to God this doesn't turn into a J.R. Sweezy situation. Because with that secondary, the young secondary, which we'll talk about right after this, they need all the help they can get back there. Justin Evans, we've seen, he had a little bit of a coming out leer last year. He had definitely some highlights he could put up, and I think he's transitioning into a confident starting safety. But we need him healthy, and and honestly, we need him for the preseason because I want to see how these guys can mesh and what they can do in a game-day situation, right? Well, I, I think, yeah, but the longer he sits, I think the more he's in danger of losing his starting job. Very um, true. And potentially lo- losing his spot on the roster next year. Um, because, I mean, he, he's likely to be on the roster next year. I'm not saying he's going to get cut or traded. But the longer he sits, Bruce Arians, when it comes time, week one, opening day versus the 49ers, he can't say, well, Justin Evans was a starter last, last year, so he's going to be a starter now. He has to play the guys that have been playing. And the longer Justin Evans sits, the less likely it is that he's going to be able to start the season. Um, hopefully he is back by training camp. Bruce Arians was really, said really the boot was no big deal. Um, and I believe him. It might have just been a precautionary thing. Uh, but, yeah, toe injuries. Deion Sanders suffered a toe injury later in his career. He said, that, like, today, like, it's still nagging. So, 
toe injuries actually when you're playing a, a, a secondary position like that, secondary running back, wide receiver stuff like that. Toe injuries aren't any joke, and um, hopefully he can he can return because I think he would take one of those starting spots. But right now, like you can't list him as a starter for this team right now. Yeah, I mean, hopefully we do see him. As you said, he said the boots nothing, but those injuries they can really really do a number um, on those guys in the secondary. So Justin Evans, really hope he can come back and and find a role in this team before training camp starts. Uh, so only hoping the best for him right now. Let's hope he can heal up on that. But let's talk about this secondary, this young secondary, this really, really young secondary, the secondary that before the draft, I said, the last thing you want to do is draft a bunch of new guys to bring in. And that's exactly what the Buccaneers did. Um, Coach Bruce Arians came out and said something the other day that piqued a lot of fans interest. And I want to go over that uh, right here, right now. So, he basically said our secondary is totally fixed, right? Nothing to worry about. No problems with it at all. It's all good. Uh, is it really totally fixed? I mean, you've got a lot of uh, you've got a lot of young talent back there. You've got a lot of young guys that are still adjusting to this new defensive playbook. So it's not like for them, it's you know entry level stuff. They're not changing from one playbook to another. But I mean, the way that I look at it, as much as I hated it. The Bucks drafted three defensive backs, and all of them have intercepted passes in practice. They look pretty good. I mean, you can't measure to a game day situation. You can't compare the two. But I feel like if they're getting the hang of things now, and we see it translate well in training camp later, in preseason, I don't want to say it's fixed, but maybe we've got a more competent unit than we did in years past because these guys are all brought in together, similar age group. They know what's going on. They know the drill. Might be fixed. I don't know. How do you feel? Think it's fixed? No, it's not fixed. <laughs> and here, here's the reason. Here's the reason why. One, I did feel that this offseason they should have added a veteran corner of uh, some sort. Uh, they added one veteran safety, and that was Kentrell Bryce, who's an RFA. He's like 23 or 24 years old. Um, that's <laughs> that's not good. Uh, the, the corner with the most experience on your roster right now, or Ryan Smith and Vernon Hargraves, that's not a great thing. Uh, so until you see these guys in game action, and until they start proving themselves, you can't say the secondary sticks. I, I don't like Bruce Arians' comment about that. Because he's trying to, Bruce is trying to basically bounce questions, and he's trying to get the questions off the secondary. So he's basically saying, hey, yeah, it's good. That, that, that's done. Don't worry about it. And, I mean, is this not a situation, though, where you got to kind of like make the best of what you got? You know, we I, credit, we, we. But they had bad opportunities to other opportunities to fix the secondary. Like, it's not like they didn't, you know? Um, yes, they inherited a bad cap situation, but you didn't have to pick three defensive backs in a row. Um, the one who's been, been impressing me the most has been uh, Mike Edwards. I feel like he actually has the best chance to start because of Justin Evans' toe injury, so that could that could work there. Uh, but, yeah, the secondary right now, it, you can't say it's fixed until you actually see it. And preseason doesn't count. Training camp videos don't count. 
what counts is is week one at whatever it is. Was it one o'clock or four o five? One of those against 49ers. and and that's. I think it's. I think off. it's actually a, like a seven o'clock game. I think it's a late game. Not not, not in, no not not the Eastern not on the East Coast. Are you because I remember I, I looked at the schedule and I was like really excited about it because week one it's going to be hot as all hell. And I think they flexed it to either a four oh five or like a seven start, but I know it's a later game. Four oh five. Because the NFL doesn't do seven o'clock start. So it, it's four oh five, I guess. Got me there. And then they then they go on the road. <laughs> um so I mean that's when it counts though for those guys. And you know, Jamel Dean, I don't think is gonna end up week one as a starter. Um I think Sean Murphy Bunting could end up as the starting nickel. Or starting other outside corner, opposite of Carlton Davis. And I think Mike Edwards has a pretty, probably the best shot to start out of those three, uh, just because Justin Evans. So I think Mike Edwards and Jordan Whitehead would be their two starters on opening day if Justin Evans can't go. Uh, if he can, who knows? You know, uh, obviously Bruce Arians and them know more than we do. It's just, I think that saying that the secondary's fixed right now is just false and. It, it, he he shouldn't he he should have worded it differently. Right. No, I get that. Yeah, because that's that's a quote that out of context, any media source. I mean, I, I guess including ourselves can just take it and run with it. If yeah, someone so says, uh, especially, just don't worry about it. It's not a need anymore. That's that's basically so. Um, so that we're, there's just, I guess people are supposed to be shocked if the Bucks get you know lit up on the scoreboard then. I don't, I don't know. I don't understand that quote. Right. No, I get you. So, talking about this secondary, apparently it's fixed. Um, <laughs> talking about this secondary, there is another question mark that I think not a lot of people have really talked about these past few weeks. That's MJ Stewart. Where the hell is he at? I haven't heard anything about this guy. Uh, the last we had talked to him, he was supposed to be talked to him, talked about him. He was supposed to be transitioning to safety. And even then, I'm not hearing anything about reps he's getting in practice or anything he's done at all this offseason. We know he's a guy who didn't play up to expectations, hasn't played up to his draft status so far. Uh, and our buddies over at Bucks Report have the story there, but let me just put it this way. Do you think time could be running out for MJ Stewart to really make an impact before he's forgotten about on this team? Yeah, because, I mean, he has to have a good camp. Um, he had a good camp last year. Yeah, he did, and you know he had a better camp than Carlton Davis, and um, he's probably the second best Bucks corner behind Vern Hargreaves camp wise. Uh, but the the thing, and with Justin Evans' injury, this opens the door for him. Uh, there, there's more spots now. He can beat out Mike Edwards. He could potentially beat out Jordan Whitehead. So there's an opportunity there for MJ Stewart, and he has to take it, and or else. If, let's say, Justin Evans come back and, and looks good, and let's say Jordan Whitehead looks good or Mike Edwards looks good, if one of those guys look good, MJ Stewart is going to be forgotten about. And and we could be talking about him just as, as a depth piece, which basically will be. And next year we could be talking about, will this guy even make the roster? Just like we're talking about with Noah Spence right now. You know, Is he a lock to make the roster? I wouldn't say so. MJ Stewart, I think he's probably a lock to make the roster. But Noah Spence, no. I think MJ Stewart could be in that same boat next year, but it all depends on what kind of camp he has. And also, he's another guy who needs a strong preseason. Because you have to do this in-game action, too. And I know I said it a lot. Preseason is not the regular season. It's not. 
But the way you prove yourself and get reps in a regular season, like week one, like to start, is when everybody's healthy or whatever, is by doing good in the preseason. And that's that's how you know that's why Ronald Jones didn't get many carries. He was inactive for the first what three weeks of the season, right? And it's because he didn't do anything in the preseason. Is it all his fault? No, the offensive line was not very good, but. You know, MJ Stewart needs a good camp, and if he doesn't get one, he is in danger, like you said, just being forgotten about on this football team. Yeah, and Ronald Jones, you brought up, let's hope he can blossom this second year, hopefully get a little more than 23 carries on the entire season. Uh, But MJ... (laughs) Put a lot of money down, he's going to get more than 23 carries. Oh, let's hope. uh, Who have more than 23 carries after week four? Let's hope. So, back to MJ Stewart. You had brought up his uh, just his game day performance, and he's going to have to have a big preseason. Maybe this jump to safety can can help translate a little better for him. But taking a look, and this is a quote that I'm taking from the story, BucksReport.com. Uh, MJ Stewart struggled in coverage during his first professional season, and there's no way around that. He allowed 34 of the 40 targeted passes thrown his way to be caught for a whopping 407 yards, 206 of those which came after the catch. He allowed five touchdowns without making a single interception. And when throwing against him, he saw a passer rating of 148.6. That's damn near perfect. Yeah. So there's no covering it up here. The numbers don't lie. MJ Stewart did not have a good year last year. 153.3 or something? Yeah, I think it's it's somewhere around there. Um, I know 53. I'm not sure about after the death yeah, so that's something that's definitely going to have to improve if he wants to uh, if he wants to stick around. So let's hope he has a big preseason and we see a little bit more of him in training camp because we know he can have a good camp. We know he's talented. It's just got to translate to on the field and game day situations. So let's hope we can see that from him. And uh, yeah, don't want to see him forgotten about. Late second day guy hasn't played up to his draft status yet. So let's talk about another late draft pick that the Bucks have. This is on a good hand, though. Let's get to some of the positives, because we haven't talked about a whole lot positive since the start of the show. We like to be positive here. Uh, this is rookie wide receiver Scotty Miller out of Bowling Green. This kid is fast. I mean, he's quick. He's been turning some, uh, he's been turning some heads this week during minicamp, and we've got the video queued up for you now, courtesy of our friends over at Full Press Coverage Buccaneers, Philip Schwegler, thank you for letting us use this clip. So check it out here. Scotty Miller on a deep pass from Ryan Griffin. Take a look. Get out of the frame. Deep ball. So as you can see there, Scotty Miller doing some great things on the football field. Uh, he, he's really coming into his own. Like, I think when we first got him, a lot of people wanted to compare him to, you know, Adam Humphreys. I even said it before. He's Adam Humphreys 2.0. And you corrected me there saying he's Scotty Miller 1.0. Well, he's developed an identity to me of he's just really, really fast. <laughs> like, he is the guy with breakaway speed who, if you want to use him out of the slot in that situation, maybe he can come in handy if you want to air it out deep. Uh, But like I said, what sets him apart is just how quickly he can hit his stride. Um, Evan, your thoughts on Scotty Miller? Because this guy guy could be trouble if we use him correctly. 
Yes, so the word, yeah, the word you, you kept describing was fast, but you used quick also. The, he's not quick. Adam Humphreys was quick. Gotti Miller's fast. Deshaun Jackson was fast. So we're talking Rashad, acceleration, top speed here. I got you. Rashard Perryman is fast. Um, and, and, yeah, it, it's a good fit with, with, with what Bruce Arians likes. He likes guys with a little bit of size. And uh, speed. I know Scotty Moore isn't the biggest. Oh, he's uh, like but, what five six one sixty? I think. I think he's taller than five six. That's maybe that's, like five ten. That's the more Deshaun Jackson. Yeah, um, below six foot. He's like yeah. Trendon Holiday out there. <laughs> um, but Brashad Perryman, for example, he's six two and can run like a four four. Um, so basically. The biggest thing I'm going to say, and, and it's good to see see Scotty Miller be able to do these things, but you got to wait till the pads come on. Uh, when the pads come on, you're not going to be as fast. I can look good with when I'm just running out, out back and, and catching the ball and running. Uh, anybody can. Kenny Bell. Kenny Bell absolutely destroyed the rookie minicamp, mandatory minicamp, OTAs, destroyed it. And everybody's thinking, wow. Right, like this kid's something. Well, first few days of minicamp destroyed them, right? Like the fourth day of minicamp, training camp, excuse me. Fourth day of training camp comes around, they put the pads on. Okay, he disappears for one day, it's fine. Disappears for the next day. Disappears for the next week. Disappears for the next week. Then all of a sudden he's put on IR. Then all of a sudden, one year later, he's gone. So that's the big thing with me, especially with with. Wide receivers, it's it's that's the biggest. With high wide wide receivers is the biggest example of that. Waiting till the pads come on because the corners right now they're not really allowed to touch you in training camp. They're allowed to bump you a little, little bit more. You're gonna have full pads on, so you're not gonna be as fast. Uh, so it's a wait and see thing for me. It's exciting to see a guy like him. Uh, hopefully, he'll be able to contribute for them uh, in in the offense. Hopefully, they can use him like a Deshaun Jackson. Um, obviously, I'll get to Sean Jackson on a, a four-year cheap deal, right? So uh, we'll see. We have to remember, though, that this guy's a six-round pick, right? Right. Do not be surprised if he's cut, um, you know, and, and don't be surprised if he struggles. He is a six-round pick from bowl, from Bowling Green. Um, what you, you got know, against Bowling Green? Nothing against Bowling Green, but... It's a great school. What are the... Uh, okay. Give, okay, give me a percentage of a not Scotty Miller, but a six-round pick. What do you think the percentage is they make an NFL team? Twenty percent. I'm gonna say it's even lower than that. I, I think it. I don't know the exact number, but I'm gonna say it's even lower. So, like I said, don't be surprised if this kid struggles. You have to remind yourself that this kid is not a second-round pick, right? This kid's not uh, Marquise with Hollywood Brown, and if the Bucks draft him in the second round, he's gonna make, make all these plays. No, he he is what he is. Hopefully he can make the roster, contribute on special teams a little bit, maybe in the first year, maybe get some reps at receiver, and hopefully maybe develop into something. Um, but we will see. Time will tell with uh, Scotty Miller, but I'm rooting for the kid. Well, yeah, and I agree with you. I think there is a real possibility that he could not make the team because he is facing some stiff competition, especially from yeah. some of the undrafted free agents we brought in. That uh, room. Yeah, and – so there is a possibility he could not make the team, but let's say hypothetically he does make it, um, and we see him used a little bit in the preseason. I think he's versatile enough. 
throw him in there at kick return. I can't see yeah, why he I, wouldn't be. I can't see why he wouldn't be a bad return man. You know, you made that a comparison to Sean Jackson. They didn't use Deshaun Jackson properly at the end of the day. Yeah, he couldn't make the connection with Jameis, unfortunately, and that's something that cost us quite a few times. But we saw him get in at punt return, I think, a total of two or three times his time in Tampa Bay. Well, he didn't want to do it, though. One, and the one time that he did it, it was a touchdown, even though it was called back. Well, yeah, and he did, he did in the Giants game, they didn't punt to him. Yeah. And then I think they lined him up again in the same Pittsburgh game, and they didn't punt to him. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. But that basically Deshaun Jackson's time in Tampa. First year they didn't use him right at all. Second year they used him a little bit better, but the second year was when he started to become a troublemaker. The first year he was a he was a good puppy. Um, he, he was happy was, to be here. Said all the no right problem. things. He was he was frustrated, but he wasn't. He wasn't verbally saying it. He wasn't. Obviously, he was frustrated. Him and Jameis couldn't get the connection. He was frustrated that that he wasn't being used the way he thought he could have. But he didn't say anything, and he was fine with it. This year, I think the real reason, and I know this is completely off topic, but the real reason he ended up actually being the way he was this year was because of his early season success. He had success early on. With Ryan Fitzpatrick, so he thought, okay, well now they know how to use me, so now I'm just going to keep doing this. And when well, it now we know the problem, and when it stopped working, that's when Deshaun Jackson got frustrated, and he took it out on others and not himself. Right. So that that's the biggest reason. Deshaun Jackson year one wasn't used right. Year two, wasted opportunity. That's what I'd say. Yeah, but. You brought up the versatility. We saw him plugged in at a lot of different spots, and it ultimately ended up working when they used him. I clamored his whole time here for them to use him on an end around. They used him on an end around, I think, five times, and three of those five times, we got a first down from it. So, what was it? Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. So, use him correctly. He's a utility guy. I think Scotty Miller has the potential to be that. So, if he doesn't exactly make the team as a slot receiver, Maybe give him an opportunity during the preseason. See how he works as a returner. We saw Adam Humphreys as a returner plenty of times. That one time, the missed field goal went coast to coast, I believe. That was pretty badass. That was pretty awesome. So maybe we can see Scotty Miller plugged into that type of role. And like you said, it doesn't really matter until the pads are put on. But it's something you like to see. You know, if a six-round pick gives you something to talk about, I'll take it for what it is. But... Moving on to this last bit of news we have for you this week from minicamp. Heading into his 10th year and coming off of a Super Bowl campaign, if anyone should know what's going on, it's Indomitka Sue. We've talked about this guy endlessly since he's been here. He's probably the biggest acquisition the Bucks made this offseason. We're not going to talk about the other 93 who just signed with an NFC South rival. I have my personal feelings about that. I'm sure you do as well. At the end of the day, it's business. But anyways, let's move on. Indomitka Sue. Recently, when asked about his initial impressions of this Bucks defense, Sue said that he loves the emphasis on the linebackers and communication. Plus, he likes the ability to get after the QB with multiple guys, including the front. Uh, this sounds great for the attack style of defense that Todd Bowles has, has talked about, that we've heard so much about. Um, and that can mean great things as well for utilizing the linebackers, sending those guys up the gut to get to the quarterback. Devin White, that was one of the best things he did in college was pressure the quarterback. 
So to think of how these guys can be used and how Indomitkasu can uh, be plugged in there, he likes what he sees, and, and that's good news for me. How about you? Yeah, well, I mean, basically what he said is describing Todd Bowles' defense. And the, the big thing I took out of what you just said there was communication. The, especially in the first, the first, well, the first year of Mike Smith's tenure as defensive coordinator, like the first like eight games, the biggest thing was communication. Like, for some reason, like in his scheme, communication was always an issue. Right. And they, you, were you, to, you, they were able to get it down for a few games. They were able to get it down at the end of that year, right? Nine and seven. But then the next year was just communication again. So I think that's a big emphasis this year. Try to get the better communication now. Not saying it's going to work. It was a big, I know it was a big emphasis the last offseason as well. Didn't work. Um, so it's a big emphasis this year again. Hopefully, Todd Bowles can get it right. Uh, I do believe that his style of defense fits what Devin White does do. Um, just like I believe Trevor Sikama, our buddy from Pewter Report and the Draft Network, said uh, basically he tweeted out, he said, I was watching uh, some tape. Um, I forget the exact tweet. I don't even know who he was watching tape of. He said, I was watching tape and LSU blitzed Devin White in the three, first Three times tape. in a row. Three times in a row. And he said, guess what Todd Bowles is going to do with him? So I sort of have a theory that the Bucks think that they're going to be blitzing so much that, I mean, not going to be every time, but like that. Like, it's not going to be three plays in a row. But they're going to be blitzing so much that they didn't need to put an emphasis on the defensive line this year because they, I mean, improving the defensive line, like adding in free agency in the draft, because they already basically knew that, Devin White and Levante David were basically going to be like pass rushers for him. Right. And the big emphasis, too, when bringing in a guy like Indomitian Sue, we talked about this last week when Tony Rossi was on the show, um, is just using that line to create a hole for a guy like Levante David, Devin White, whoever they want to rush, the versatility of it. Because we know that Indomitian Sue is a big body run stuffer guy. He's not going to get double digit sacks this year. Vita Vea, same with him. He is a big body, powerful run-stuffing lineman. He's not going to get 10-plus sacks this year. But what those guys can do together and however they can be lined up on that line, whether one of them's at nose tackle, one of them's playing end, who cares? If they can make a hole for your linebackers to get to the quarterback, then that's going to translate to just having defensive dominance on the field because pressuring the quarterback is probably the most important thing that any defense is assigned to do. So uh, yep. so hopefully these guys can get in here and do it. But I'm excited to see how that works, man. I, I think Sue I think Sue is a fantastic addition, and I think he's definitely got quite a bit left in the tank. I agree. I, I, I do agree with what you said, that they're just the space eaters. And, you know, um, hopefully with Carl Nassib, uh, Russian, Russian standing up, and Noah Spence standing up, and Shaq Barrett standing up, they'll be able to come from the outside. And those, those space eaters inside will basically open up a hallway right down the middle, and Devin White or Levante David could just blitz right up there, and it, it could work with a run play, it could work with a pass play. Yeah, and, um, and when they sack the quarterback, Will Golston can cheer them on from the bench, right? Nah, he's, he's going to get more time than you think this year, just because I, I, I think a lot of people are hating on Will Golston right now, and I don't know why. Where has he been? What has he done since the Buccaneers paid him that big contract? <laughs> Playing in the wrong defense for five years. Like I, this is this is the defense okay. that fits Golston. I'm not saying he's going to be a superstar, 
But this is the defense. If Will Golson is going to have a good year, it's going to be this year. So you're the first person I've heard defend him in quite some time. Let me ask you, how is he going to be used? He's going to be used as a 3-4 defensive end. He's going to be like when the Dominican Sioux or Vita Vea, when they come out, he's going to be the guy going in every now and then. It's the better defense that suits him. Instead of going up against the left tackle, as he was the defensive end, he's going to be able to go up against the guard. He's going to be quicker than the guard. I get you. No, I get you. I, I just... I mean, when at Michigan State, that's what he was. He was a 3-4 defensive end. The Bucks drafted him as a 3-4 defensive end. They they tried to, to form him into this run-stuffing 4-3 guy, and it, it worked for one season. Of course, there's a contract here. Um, but that's what he was. So I'm not saying that he's going to be a superstar and a savior. I'm just saying I... I would I wouldn't be surprised to see a solid year from from Will Golson. What's the over under on four sacks this year for Will Golston? Probably. That's a pretty modest number, realistic, right? Yeah, probably. I'd say under that because I think he'll get two to three because he's not a big sack guy, you know. Oh yeah, he's, absolutely. He's a he's a a run stuffing defensive end. No matter if he's in a three four four three, that part's true. It's just the 4-3 defense just didn't fit him as well as the 3-4 will. No, I get you. I, I hope he steps up. Don't get me wrong. I hope he steps that's, up. and That's why he's, everybody's wondering, oh, you could save $3.5 million or whatever by getting rid of this guy. That's why he's still on the team. Very true. Very true. Listen, I just I wanted to know your opinion on it. You sounded very upset that people are coming after your boy, uh, your boy Will Golston there. I'm sorry, buddy. Hey, I, he's not my boy, all right? I... <laughs> He, he's getting a, a lot of hate for for sort of being the because I think I know why the Bucks have made all these moves. The Bucks got rid of Deshaun Jackson, they got rid of Gerald McCoy to save cap space. Everybody was just looking at contracts this offseason, saying where can he save cap space? And Will Golson's name kept coming up, and they said, okay, you can save three million by doing that. You can get rid of him. It's not Will Golson just this year. Give him this year. You give him this year, he's not productive this year, fine. You know, whatever. No, I, I agree then with you. you. I, I think then you, then you cut him, but I think that's the reason he's on this football team right now because they believe, and also it's going to be better coaching. It's going to be 3-4 style coaching. They believe that they can get more out of Will Golson. I believe they can too. I'm with you. I hope he steps up. I think a lot of people just look at it as he's been on this team what did you say the other day? I, I completely forgot about him, but he's the longest. He is now officially like one of the longest tenured guys on this team. Will Golston, Demar Dotson, Levante David, 2013. Yeah. yeah, he was Levante David was 2012 draft. Will Golston was 2013. Demar Dotson's the longest tenured, but yeah, Levante was 2012. Will Golston was 2013. What has he given us to remember since then? Truly and honestly, contract year. The contract year was it, and then the year they signed the cha- and then the year after they signed the contract, he put up a whole zero sacks. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! It's not all about sacks. You know that. Oh uh, yeah. But zero, a, a goose egg, ask- man. Do you do you do you think Noah Spence is gonna have a decent year? I hope he does. Why? I hope for his sake, he does. Okay. Do you do you think he's gonna have a decent year? Yes. Why? Because the same point you made about Will Golston, he's gonna be at an attack three four defense. That's all I got to say.
I'll take your word for it. <laughs> but ladies and gentlemen, that is pretty much everything you need to know about this last week of minicamp. Uh, a lot of good things coming out of the Bucks camp. And as far as we've heard, a lot of different people have said. I believe J.C. Cornell, one of them. Uh, this Bucks squad has exceeded expectations. Of course, you're going to hear a head coach say that, especially with any team. Uh, but to hear that about your team and to hear that these guys are kind of putting the pieces together and really building what we hope is an elite football well, team come this year. The coolest thing about that was that wasn't Bruce Arians saying that in an interview. That was J.C. having a scoop that said before the draft and when they first took over, the staff had good expectations. Like they thought the team had some talent that they could coach. And he said now after the draft and seeing OTAs and minicamp. Now, like I said, the pads have not come on yet. That is a big emphasis that I'm going to keep saying until they come on, this football team starts winning. Oh, I'm with the you. Pads come on yet. So it's tough to say, but J.C.'s source has said that the staff's expectations after seeing the OTAs and minicamp have now skyrocketed. So that that is a good sign, but I would just wait for the pads come on. Absolutely. So uh, so until the pads come on, it's hard to say just what kind of football team we're going to be looking at, but so far, so good. You need some guys to get healthy. Justin Evans need him to get back in the game. Um, let's hope they can do it, and let's hope they can turn it around this season. But ladies and gentlemen... That's just about going to do it for this episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for listening or watching with video on YouTube and BucksReport.com. If you were listening, thank you, our sources over there. And I actually sent you a screenshot of some of the stats I've been looking at. Dude, we've got listeners everywhere. We've got listeners in Canada. We've got listeners in Sweden. Yeah. We have got a steady listener base in Germany. Right. So if you guys are listening internationally, let us know down in the comments or, you know, just follow us on Instagram at Cannon Fire Podcast. You can also follow us on Twitter at Cannon Fire Pod, and we are on Facebook. Just hit 300 likes, so thank you for that at Cannon Fire Podcast. You can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram and Twitter at Bucks Wave, formerly Bucks Football. You can follow myself on Instagram and Twitter at Redicus R H E T T A K U S. Actually, both of those names right above our heads here on the video. Thank you to Full Press Coverage Buccaneers Philip Schwagler for letting us use his video clip. And make sure you check out our partners over at BucksReport.com for some of the best Bucks coverage in the game. Before we get out of here, I do need to tell you about our sponsors, the East Bay Buccaneers. Registration is open now. They sponsor full contact football teams for ages 5 to 14 and full, well, not full contact cheerleading. That'd be abysmal. Uh, but full cheerleading squads ages 5, to, <laughs> ages 5 to 14. So if you're looking for something this summer for your child to take a part of and later on this fall, it really is a great organization. If you guys do not know, Tampa Bay Youth Football League, East Bay Buccaneers, probably the best team in the area. So make sure you think about wow. that. And uh, make sure you check out our buddies over at BucksReport.com. Thank you so much for everyone listening to the show. Evan, it's great to have you back. And uh, let's see how this thing picks up. Until next time, signing off for Evan. I am Rhett. We'll catch you later. Go Bucks. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.